0: Not only, but also. I'm Nicole
1: Cottrell. I'm Renee Ronica Bahati Klug. This episode is. I'm a mom, but that's not the sum total of my identity.
0: Oh Lordy, it's a big one. <laughs> it is a big one. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot wrapped up in that. So talk to me. Talk about to me about your motherhood, motherhood. journey. Oh. I hate that. Oh, gosh. your journey. Well, I, I don't know how unique or not Renee and I are in in this subject or on this subject i should say like from each other no i just mean from other women talking about I, motherhood i don't know i think you and i are cut from similar cloths that's
1: what i'm saying because i, know. I should say right now that neither one of you and I or i had this like motherly instinct like we didn't have that thing yeah i so wasn't for, dying to be a mom yeah for those women out there who don't have that thing you know people are like oh i just always wanted to be a mom yeah
0: We may, you may not relate, or you You, may relate. Well, you may. We didn't have surprises in there,
1: but we both have three children each, which is like a grip of children.
0: Yeah, you'd be surprised what happens when you don't want kids.
1: I know, and um, (laughs) but but what I'm saying here is that both of us. Are the type of women who didn't think we were going to be moms who Correct. all of a sudden became moms, but we don't have minivans. That's important to note. Very, but no judgment if you do have minivans because those things are rad. I mean, those like those super, those you don't uh, have
0: to sell anybody on the minivan, you know, the,
1: the doors that open by themselves. That's awesome, but I'm <laughs> yes. not getting a minivan. And so, but for those of you who have been lifelong, like you knew you were going to be a mom, and that is part of who you are, we are not criticizing. That aspect of you, but we want to remind you and ourselves that that is not the sum total of who you are. And for those of you who have not been able to have children and who have wanted children, I, I don't have a whole lot to say except for I I grieve and I mourn with you, yeah. Because I I truly cannot imagine. And if this episode is is too much for you, that's okay. And I don't know, Nicole, what we're going to talk a little to bit
0: too about women who we in our own lives have identified as mothers who didn't necessarily birth children, um, but that is not the qualification for being a mom. But we're going to talk about that a little bit more too as we go. So that might um, be relatable as well. Hopefully it is. So I didn't want to be a mom. I just sounded like I was from Minnesota, Wisconsin. (laughs) So I never really intended on being a mom, just like I didn't intend on getting married. So if you haven't listened to our <laughs> marriage wife episode that was the one before this um kind of we kind of break that down I did though once I was married is pretty quickly after Jonathan and I got married I did start wanting a baby mm-hmm. and I was surprised by that and I think and I had a baby very very fast after I think that it was this surprise but it was also a natural at the time I felt like a natural longing like oh I'm I'm married now and this should be this natural beautiful product of our love as they say and I got pregnant 6 weeks after we got married which was a giant surprise um I was not excited I actually I actually didn't tell Jonathan I was pregnant I took four pregnancy tests I called the only friend that I had who had a baby and I said, I took four, and two of them said positive, and two of them said negative. I'm not pregnant, right? And she said, oh, no, Nicole, you're pregnant. That's not how it works. Two of them were positive. And then I didn't tell Jonathan for over a week. And then we were driving home from somewhere, and I just sort of said, blurted out in the car, I think I may be pregnant. And he said, what? And he just pulled the car over into, you know, Walgreens parking lot and jumped out. Bought four more tests. Four more. That's four more. Exactly
1: what Jonathan would do. They
0: all came out positive, of course. And did you take him in the Walgreens bathroom? No, we were at home, okay. and I sat in the bathroom, and I, I wanted to cry. I actually wanted to cry. I was stunned. I was, I just stared at the stick. I, it, it is what they say. in movies is the only time in my life this happened. I saw my life flash before my eyes. I saw strollers and diapers and bottles and. Cribs and and like toddlers and this and I, I didn't I didn't really I didn't really want it. God, it's like weird to even say that I didn't really want it. Not that I didn't want the baby, I didn't want what I thought that life was going yeah. to look like. Sure. And Jonathan was meanwhile actually running around the house, <laughs> jumping up and down. He was jumping on our bed, yelling and shouting, <laughs> "I'm gonna be a dad, I'm gonna have a baby." He, he was. So excited and I just sat there staring, staring at the stick. So that was my intro. Um yeah. What about you? Well, um I I I, sh- I
1: should start when I was a child because when I was a child I was actually pretty nurturing. I loved dolls and I was pretty ner uh pretty nurturing in that sense. And then I did a lot of babysitting at a very young age. I babysat when I was 12 years old. Two day old twins. Oh yeah, I remember you. Saying they that. left me How all it? alone.
0: This is what it. This is being a product. This of is the why. 80s. This is probably. This what, is growing up in the eighties. This is what the eighties did. <laughs> Children we were, were on we their were not own, supervised. That's right.
1: And who entrusts two day old twins? <laughs> Unbelievable. A, a mother who is still she's desperate. Tanked. Yeah, like she was on she some, some sort desperate. of something. Uh huh. Anyway, so that happened, and then I was like a nanny, and and all of those kinds of things during high school. And it was fine. It was for a really precocious, just single child. But, you know, then I kind of did my own thing. And I think as I got older and I didn't get married, that just that thing in me just stopped and I felt like I was always annoyed my brother makes fun of me even now he's like I can't believe you have three the kids because whenever we were out in public and a kid made any noise I'd be like what the heck oh my gosh like be
0: quiet exactly and, I relate to that
1: so much and I will say to this day having had three children myself like if anybody you be like oh sorry and, and somebody has a baby in the room they're like oh I'm sorry I'm hogging the baby I'm like you're not hogging anything <laughs> and, or they're like Renee you want to hold the baby why would I want to hold the baby yeah you know and I just I don't I don't don't apologize to me for not giving me the baby.
0: I'll, I'll hold your baby. I'll hold the baby, but I I won't expect Renee to hold the baby. I mean, if you want
1: me to hold the baby, I'll hold the baby. All right, I'll change the baby. I'll feed the baby. I could probably still breastfeed the baby,
0: but uh, it's not your top. It's not your top choice. No.
1: And so I was thirty two, I think, when I found out I was pregnant. And what's interesting, I am you know I'm a spiritual person, and I. Did, had not wanted children, but when I was 24, so almost what, however many nine years prior, math math skills here. I am Asian, but mind. I am not good at math. Um, last episode we talked about this, and um, along with being a wife. So you'll have to listen to see how those two ideas right. connect. <laughs> you'll wonder. Anyway, and I actually had a vision of a little girl. I just I like I had a, I just had a flash. I saw this little girl, and. A month or so later, my brother, uh, who was living across the country at the time, I was living in New York, he was in Phoenix, where we are right now, you know, doing this podcast. And he was like, hey, mom and I both had dreams last night of a little girl. And I was like, both of you had a dream? And they're like, and he's like, and I think it's your daughter. And I'm like, my what? And he described the girl and it was the same girl I had in the vision. Yeah. And so I think it was that, that kind of prepared me no, like, it's oh, so interesting. One day you might be a mom yeah. and you might have a daughter. God knew you needed nine years I needed nine <laughs> years. And it's true. And so the, the one day I was in Target. Now, uh, flash forward nine years later about, and I saw, you know, the little mermaid, it was just making its comeback and we're in like 2009 at this point, 2008 ish. And Little Mermaid is making its comeback. And I look at the towel and I was like, Ariel. And I grabbed the towel and I bought it. And I was like, what are you, why are you buying a
0: Little Little Mermaid towel? Ridiculous. It's it's really still one of my very favorite Disney movies.
1: I know, but I didn't know why I was doing this. I was just like my, my, it was, I don't know. Anyway, so then that night, I don't know why I took a pregnancy test, but it was a dollar store pregnancy test. And they work. They work. They do. And because I've been pregnant, well, I've, well, the three times I've been pregnant, they were $3 store pregnancy tests. And so, anyway, um, and I was pregnant with a little girl named Ariel who looks just like the girl
0: from my vision. Not the mermaid. Not the mermaid no. from my vision when I was 24. Pay attention. What she actually looks like is you. She does She's look a lot like, like me. your mini me she is. so very much. And this is probably why we fight so often. And it's great. And then I have two
1: others. So, Eva uh, is my second. And when Ariel was nine months old, I thought my marriage was going through a rocky patch and I thought I had an ulcer because of it. But I did not, I had a Eva. (laughs) And so Ariel and Eva are 18 months apart. And then um, after that, Uh, And I want to talk about miscarriage in a different uh, episode, but I had a miscarriage. And from that, it revealed a lot of autoimmune issues that I have that I've dealt with. But when I started dealing with my autoimmune issues, I had my Judah, Mm -hmm. who's our third and final. Mm -hmm. And Judah was born when I was 37. So it was considered a geriatric pregnancy. You were of older maternal age. I was, and I had to have extra appointments and they treated me. Like I was too old to have a baby, but my uterus said otherwise.
0: Uterus didn't quit. And proved otherwise.
1: <laughs> and you know, being a mom, I love i love people. People are my why. And so for that reason, I love my children. Being a mom, oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like as soon as I figure one out, they move to another stage of life.
0: Absolutely. That's what they do all the time.
1: And my three children could not be farther apart Mm -hmm. in personality. Mm -hmm. Eva and Judah are blonde hair and blue eyed. I am dark skinned. Ariel's dark skinned. You know, we're dark featured. You know, it is just like, not only just physically do they look different. They are so different.
0: They're so different.
1: And I just, I can't wrangle them in. (laughs) And I think ultimately, inherently, the reason why motherhood is so hard for me is because it is an unselfish act. And I am a supremely selfish person.
0: I don't think that's true. I I'm love doing what I it. do. I'm I don't like to say it.
1: I like doing my work and I like reading and I like scrolling my social media and I like to eat cereal for dinner and I skip lunch sometimes and all of these things. It's called being a human. No it's not
0: but yes, I
1: get it. I, I understand. But you know, you have to forget yourself if you want to be a caregiver.
0: No, you don't. That's what, we're, that's what we're talking about. Oh,
1: I just walked into you the walked lie right that we are de- deconstructing. <gasps>
0: Holy mother of hell. Oh. Yeah, you, <laughs> yes, that was brilliant. I, I censored myself in that. She did that on purpose. She did that on purpose. Um, A lot of people say that marriage is the, their refining fire. That's the thing that's been so hard for them and the thing that like shapes them. And I talked about on our other episode Yes marriage has changed me and shaped me that's inevitable. Um but but ch- child not child child rearing mothering has been the thing that's been the hardest for me. It's the thing that has made me the ugliest. It's the thing that's brought out my sin the most. It's the thing that I thought, "Oh, I have dealt with that issue. I dealt with that a long time ago." Oh no, you didn't, Nicole. No, no, because this little tiny person, this little two-year-old human is going to show you very plainly that you have not dealt with the anger that you thought you had dealt with. They're going to keep bringing it back up for you. They're going to keep bringing it back up for you until it's actually dealt with. That's what they do.
1: You've actually dealt with it? My anger? Yeah. (laughs) You see, that was such a surprise. (laughs) No, I mean, because I haven't. I mean, you've got three extra years and Nicole's oldest is 13. My oldest is 10. But... I mean... What? Because that's miraculous. I'll, I've i gotten a lot better. Okay, me too. I have to give myself some credit.
0: I mean, I am in naturally, you know, anger is very close to my heart. I am in Enneagram 8. I feel anger every day for of some kind, <laughs> whether it's like anger at injustice in the world, as is the case right now in the world, anger at, you know, my Amazon delivery taking a few extra days. It doesn't really matter. There's something that I feel angry about. But it's definitely gotten better with my children. But it was really it was really bad for a long time. I, it was a real struggle. And marriage didn't do that. That wasn't what it was. It was these people, these little people that I birthed into the world. I mean, apparently God not, sort of kind of knew what he was doing, but it's hard. It is hard. And you've got three great kids. You have an your oldest is a daughter. And- I have Riley's 13, almost 14. We are currently in, yes, we're living in, in Teenageville. She, quintessential, wants to just lock herself in her room and be away from the world. I was reading a book the other day. Jonathan was kind of grumbling about her being away from everyone and all the time. And I am reading this book. It's the series. Who's, the author's name that I cannot remember right now, but I'll try to and it's a series on different ages of children so it says like you're five-year-old that's one book you're six-year-old that's another book and so on they're extremely helpful if you're looking for a parenting book to say why is my kid doing that right now it is they're a great series i've read them throughout all of their ages and so i have the 13 year old one and i'm reading it and it says The 13-year-old will be found. Their natural habitat is their bedroom. When the 13-year-old is feeling stressed or anxious, they will retreat to their bedroom. When conflict arises with siblings or parents, you can find your 13-year-old in their bedroom. Wow. And I was reading it to Jonathan, like, hey, listen, this is normal. This This is what we're dealing with. But the encouragement is they said, well, the book, says so this isn't a negative. We actually see this as a positive. Essentially it's a time for them to cocoon themselves away. Yeah. When they're 13 and they're doing a lot of thinking about who they are at that age. Yes. And you do that alone in your little bubble. And then they emerge as these much more confident, capable 14 year olds. Yeah. So praise Jesus that she's almost 14. That is true. Because I'm all done. I know. And then I have an 11-year-old, Tolan. 11 is hard too for different reasons, but he's awesome. All my kids are wonderful. Not to knock on Riley, that wasn't fair. She's creative and lovely she really and she's a really beautiful heart. And she's I can't imagine anyone else being the the older sister to her brothers. She has great love for them. Um, Toll in my middle, he's uh, sensitive, super caring, also huge heart. He's smart and determined and persevering. And then my youngest is my hardest, which happens for a lot of people. I don't know. Uh, He's eight. That's Beckett. And he is passionate, feisty, fiery strong-willed he's essentially me <laughs> um with blonde hair uh yeah coming in at five or four th- four foot three inches or whatever he is so he's um he's full of life too so and the same as you they're all so different you think how are you all from the same two people how did this actually happen and the second you feel like you're figuring something out they turn the tables on you. That's right. They, yeah. they move to a different. And I can't tell. I think I
1: like this stage now. I mean, like the younger stage of changing diapers, that was just a blur. It was just getting through it and getting it done and mm-hmm. going forward. Survival.
0: It's, it is survival. But
1: and now it's like character making.
0: 100%. I think and, you shift from a lot of physical energy being spent to emotional energy yeah, being mental. spent.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the next I don't know the next stage I don't know,
0: and I, that, that's the thing
1: because I've worked with college students for the last twenty years. I'm like, oh, I got that right, and who knows if I will because now it's so personal. It's, it's not so somebody else's when it's kid. Your kid. I'm I'm trying to mold. It's my own kid, and that's I'm right. like, Oh, jeez. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, but you know, uh, I. Th- Being a mom, and maybe it is because I've always worked full time. I went into labor with all three children while I was at work. so crazy. And um, my water broke as I stepped out into the parking lot with with my oldest. I, I, I had just finished teaching. And I stepped out into the parking lot and boom, it burst. It was very nice it for her to wait. It until was, you're done it was. And then on my second, it was right in the middle of my teaching and I couldn't talk anymore. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I guess if I can't talk, <laughs> that means I should go. <laughs> that means I <I'm> can labor. <laughs> and so that and then my third, I don't even remember. By by that point, I don't know. I think I just knew. <laughs> it knows? was before work. It was he before was born. work. <laughs> he was born. And so um I don't know what happened. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. And so so I don't know that I've ever felt I think for me, there was always this feeling of alienation because I never felt like motherhood was part of my identity. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I always felt guilty about that. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's part of who I am, but like mom isn't like the first thing I put on my Instagram bio. And, um, And I don't think I should feel badly about that, that there needs to be a healthy balance because I think, again, culturally, whether it's in the United States or beyond that um, or just this generation, maybe a lot of us do see ourselves as either I'm a mom or I'm not a mom. Mm -hmm,
0: Absolutely. Or
1: we measure our womanhood based on our ability to birth a child.
0: Well, I think inside of the American Christian church, the idea firstly of marriage is propped up as the end-all be-all of the Christian faith. That's a separate episode conversation, but – Renee and I both adamantly disagree with that. S- um, singleness is in, is equal with mar- marriage, married um, in God's eyes. I fully, fully believe that. So you have the lie that to win, you got to be married, and then to win more as a Christian, you got to have babies, and like it's some sort of um,
1: indication that God is with you,
0: right? You're blessed. I mean, children are a blessing, sure, but they are not the measure of all blessing, nor does that mean you are not blessed if you don't have children and God chooses to bless whom he chooses, how he chooses, when he chooses, and with what he chooses. That's actually out of our control.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean in the Bible we see Hannah, we see a lot of people who wanted children desperately. This is an Old Testament uh reference with Hannah, and she prayed desperately for a child and she was given what ended up beco- who ended up becoming the prophet Samuel. And then we see Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was 14 and mm-hmm. she was not prepared to be a mother and she didn't even know how she was going to be a mother because she was the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. And and then in here, this happened. And so, you know, you have a lot of different scriptural um, narratives about different women in their relationship with motherhood, but it's certainly not necessarily even a defining factor there. Yeah, I would agree. And so I don't understand how we've made it. We've reduced our identity to, to two things that don't even pertain to us, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's who you're married to and who you've birthed. Mm-hmm. And again horseshit and so
0: well I don't know if I'd say that because I do think I mean when we're talking about wives yes our husbands and our marriages have great influence over us who we are how we act what we believe I've become a healthier person because of my husband all of those things me too I've definitely become a better person by being a mom I'm not who I was I am less selfish I'm not saying I don't want to sit and like you know eat chips and watch Netflix I do I really really do. But they've brought up good things in me and I've absolutely grown and become someone I never would have been or could have been without them. And I think one of the greatest aspects probably is the way in which children have grown my own sympathy and empathy for others in the world. My ability to, I think, relate to a lot of people that I wouldn't have necessarily known how to relate to. I mean, you know, motherhood is a great connector. Mm-hmm. You can sit down with another mom and you can talk about being a mom, even if you have nothing else to talk about or nothing else in common, because it is there is a sisterhood there. Sure. So I do think in those ways, it's really beautiful. But what we kind of alluded to earlier too, there's a lot of mothers in our lives yeah. who... Didn't necessarily give birth to children. Correct. And mothering can be far and beyond. I think what kind of the classic Christian church definition is, Um, we know we're talking about women who've adopted. We're talking about fostering, but we're also talking about women who have come alongside with a mothering spirit to so many Mm -hmm. other men and women in their own lives. Um, I have a aunties, lot of people, don't forget about the aunties. Yeah, aunties and there are so many people that I can think of who represent that and I think that God has a very very much a spirit of a mother I mean if God created we call God the father but if he created he created man and woman and he knew that that would become mother and father I really believe that the heart of God is very much reflected in mothers mm-hmm. however that takes shape and however that takes its form
1: Yeah. And I, I, this definition is an alternate definition of mother and it's to look after someone kindly and protectively. And I love this idea of, you know, Mother's Day can be such a trigger for so many people. On the one side, there are people who wanted to be mothers or, and who couldn't or who lost their mothers and it's just a terrible day. And on the other hand, there are mothers who became mothers through whatever way and they want Mother's Day. Like, this mm-hmm. is the day. This mm-hmm. is the day that I earned and I get to have it. And <laughs> I, I respect both groups. But, um, but I do, I like the idea of Mothering Day that in, and however you have mothered, that's valid. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and it's something to be protected and it's something to be championed. And, um, you know, and it's, when you, you talk about motherhood being something that refining, it's true. Um, I remember when I was pregnant with my oldest, Ariel, we were at dinner and I was wearing like a robe and knee socks. Mm, and choice. I know in Colorado it was cold. Mm-hmm. And I just started weeping. And I, you know, I was pregnant and I'm also me. So sometimes <laughs> weeping comes with the, I'm an Enneagram four. and um And so my husband's like, what's going on? And I recognized why it was because I'm aware of my emotions. And I have a long history of sexual abuse. And with two different people in my childhood, it was my first memory. I was three. And I remember thinking, this was after I found out, I think it was the day I found out I was having a girl. Like I'd already known I was having a girl, but, and I, it it just hit me like, oh, I don't Mm. want her. Yeah, I don't want her. If, if this person is going to experience what i experience mm-hmm. i don't want it to happen mm-hmm. and i think a big part and this is something that i have to deal with right now um, and whether it's back in therapy or whatever is a lot of times i think a lot of my negative association with parenting and being a mom is the fears that i have about my own life experience that i project onto right. my kids yeah, so sense. and i find that it's with my daughter and i think this is a pretty common narrative but or a common issue but i think you know with my daughters it's more so like the girls who made fun of me when i was younger okay i want to make sure that i'm my daughters okay if they made fun of me for this so let's let's preempt that right in my daughters so they don't get the same pushback now their friends are are slow i mean no well (laughs) <laughs> some um, I don't know who's going to be listening to this, but some of y'all needed some upgrades, and my daughter's upgraded. And so, um, you know, there were we had bullish people in the eighties. Hey. In the eighties, we were just meaner, yes, weren't we? Absolutely, so mean. So I'm going to blame the eighties, not the people. And um, I'll just a whole a whole decade just you know produced a lot of meanness. But um, anyway, and I and I think that's a big part of. I think my um, struggle as a mom, yeah, I think
0: is just fear. Yeah, I think that's. I think most. I think probably in order to actually be a mom, at some point, you just there's fear involved. Yeah, there's that saying, you know, when you have a child, it's like wearing your heart outside of your body for the rest of your life. Yeah, and it does feel like that, mm-hmm. and you can't tuck it back in, and you have to go around. Doing your normal things, while well, this part of you could be is exposed to the rest of the world, and you mm-hmm. can't protect them in all of the ways that you would want to. Yeah, uh, there's something really humbling about that. There's something really scary about that, but there's also something really empowering about it. Mm-hmm. And figuring out how to let them be themselves and live their lives and be these fully formed people that they already are, without. You know, all of our crap. Yeah. I mean, I don't wanna I definitely don't want them to uh they're gonna need therapy because of me. I, yeah, I, I know, know it. I've, I already I know it. Already oh, it. I know and this, I've already made, I hope I've you, already made peace with that. Yeah, me too. Um Okay, so one of my questions is why do you think that and this isn't obviously this doesn't apply to all moms and we had we had, you know, touched on that at the at the top of the episode, but I, I am always curious I just, I don't feel like I ever lost myself in motherhood. Yeah, me neither. And I, and I felt bad about it. I felt badly about it, like you were saying. I think I've felt guilty at times that I haven't always or only thought of myself as a mom. Mm-hmm. It's not usually the first thing I tell people about myself, while very, extremely important. I mean, I'm a homeschool mom. I'm not even away from my people, I'm with them all the time. And I've chosen to do that, but it's still not the defining part of my identity. And so I wonder a lot of what it is, why that happens. I don't know. Why do you think that women sometimes- I don't know. I think I feel
1: badly about this or I want to make two points here and hopefully they'll come together because
0: this episode is a little meandering
1: because it's not a topic that I think, um, did I say essay or episode? You said- I said episode. And so, um, you know, I think because it's hard to pinpoint this, and certainly we can't speak on behalf. We can only speak from our own perspectives. But with that said, um, the first thing, I've never been um, a mom who didn't sleep. Like, like I, you know, I hear from some people I haven't slept in five years. I'm right. like, oh my gosh! Like,
0: I, how are you alive? No, I
1: did do the babywise thing, and a lot of people hate babywise. Yep. I love baby babywise, yes. and and I didn't go as strict as the author there says. Are you know, I as a, as a caveat, I cherry picked. The there best. are
0: a lot of really excellent, much gentler alternatives sure. to babywise. Now I use babywise too uh that still get the job done yeah
1: so for me i took the one chapter that pertained to getting it done and getting me sleeping
0: (laughs) getting me sleeping getting me sleeping (laughs) you know which
1: required getting the child sleeping i focused on that one chapter for all three kids and i haven't read the rest of the book (laughs) so full disclosure so that and like you know exercise was important getting ready i don't I don't even own sweats because that's part of my personality, you know, I like to be fully dressed. I like to things. be full well, that's or not in pajamas, I that's like to it. be in cute pajamas, right? Yes, and so <laughs> it's like that so that sometimes when I hear moms talk about that, I don't relate to that, so mm-hmm. I can't speak to that. Mm-hmm. And then at this uh, an, another side, I will say, in my 10 years experience, a decades decade-long experience <laughs> of being a mom, I will say that I have had dozens, dozens of conversations in which I'm talking to another mother, whether I'm close to her or not. Usually it's people who I'm reconnecting with or maybe they're strangers, because I talk to a lot of strangers. Um, and somehow I've said something to them and they begin to weep or they start and they look at me and they say, thank you. And I was like, well, why are you saying thank you? Mm-hmm. And they're like, because you just, you just returned I just told you about who I am as a mom or maybe, maybe me. Now I maybe revealed something vulnerable Mm -hmm. about being a mom or not liking being a mom or, you know, not feeling fully comfortable. I think I used to not like it. Now I like it. I just don't always feel comfortable Mm -hmm. in it. And somehow that empowered them. It gave them a sense of freedom to know I don't have to put up this form of perfection. Right. And so I think I'm I'm bringing up two different topics here. There's one on the, on the, the first I brought up on the left is, um, this idea of this always haggard, never perfect mom, almost right. this extreme. Right. And on the right, the the second example I gave is this mom who feels like if she's not perfect or right. she doesn't subscribe or subscribe. What the, what is the right word there? I need to look this up. I taught English for seventeen Chris years Ray and yet I still right. have problems <laughs> with it.
0: Um, the perfect Pinterest
1: mom. Yeah, the perfect Pinterest mom or this or that. The right. Mm-hmm. And until she comes to a girl who's like, listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care what you do. Right? You can like, you, if your kid can unbutton your shirt and take out your <laughs> teeth at five, I'm not going to judge you, all right? <laughs> I'm not going to judge you. You uh, do what you no. need to do to get your family That's right. grown up. Uh-huh. I, I truly feel that way.
0: All right. Is that going to happen in my family? Probably not. I'm going to go no. out on a limb. No, all
1: three, hard no. stop. Okay, one year old. <laughs> all equity across the board. All right. All y'all are stopping. Boom. These are back to being mine. mine. And um anyway, so that kind of thing. And so I've noticed that as well, that that just my being able to speak freedom into a place of perceived or whatever, false perfection has brought a lot of people comfort. And I think, and I think our society in the 2010s, right? Where are we right now? Yeah, 20, we we moved into a new decade, mm-hmm. which are the twenties. So the 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 tens, I think, brought in this this idea, unlike the eighties, of not being as bullying, of being a little bit moving toward- mom
0: supporting moms. mom supporting moms. Mm-hmm. And women mom supporting women,
1: women supporting women for who they are. Mm-hmm. There's definitely that more whether of that whether you're stay at home or whether you're a, right. go to work, you're cool either way.
0: Right, you're cool.
1: But I will say, being a working mom. And dropping my kids off at school, I'm not as connected because I got to get to work. Right. And I feel really isolated a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was one other working mom. I just knew she was a working mom from across the room. And I looked at her and I was like, are you a full-time working mom? She's like, are you too? And she like, again, started tearing up. I'm like, let's get together. We got to support each other. Because there was a sense, and this is with my oldest, there was a sense about what uh, five six years ago that we were othered and we weren't fully and we were mm-hmm. we didn't care enough about our children that's right because that's we had because, because we had to we had to pay for their meals earning a living we had to earn that's right uh, you know um but whatever the case is and i think it's gotten better and um I think I'm meeting more and more older moms like me mm-hmm. who are also working. And, oh, gosh, it feels so good. Yeah, it's really It good. feels so good not to be the only one working or, or the oldest. Like, I think I was, what, almost 40. And I was hanging out with a bunch of moms. And one of them was complaining about turning 25. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. Get me out of here. I was like, what? <laughs> I got stretch marks older than you, lady. And so not really, but, you know. It was good effect.
0: Anyway, so I, I present all of that now and I
1: will stop talking.
0: Okay, so one thing you touched on that I liked that made me think of it in another way. So you have on the left, you have your haggard, bewildered haven't slept in five years, mom. And haven't had sex in like Oh, forget sex. There's whatever. no sex, there's no vacations, there's no trips away, there's no there's no date night. Okay, she's she that's yes. Yeah. Then on the, the other side, you have your perfect Pinterest Pollyanna. With the, the stroller. With everything that you need, tip-top, tippity-top. And her Instagram account is gorgeous. And she bakes. She bakes a lot. Mm-hmm. She sourdoughs. She kombuchas. She, she has the starter. she has She's that, giving out starter to everyone she right. knows. In j- mason jars. That's that are, right. That's what she does. And somewhere in between... Is reality yes for all women and all mothers? Let's say so. The haggard mom and the Pinterest mom, their life is actually somewhere in between as well, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that we forget. Yeah, and it's really easy for us to judge on one side or feel discouraged on another side. And you know, we're all living somewhere in the middle space of yeah. that. I will say one other thing that comes to my mind though is. You were talking about the 10s and women supporting women and moms supporting moms. And I, I definitely know know that, that there was a big shift in that, for which I was appreciative. But there was also the shift of people starting to use the phrase, like, <gasps> I'm doing the best that I can. Oh, that.
1: Okay, I thought you were talking about mompreneur. Which no, is, no, no, mompreneur.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to go there.
0: When we, I when got we, words about when that. When Renee and I <laughs> were were first talking about starting not only but also – one of her only requirements was that we never use the word mompreneur, and I was like, oh, "That's cool." I, I, I just threw up. I can keep that promise. Yes. Okay. Go um, ahead. I'm sorry. No, just the phrase of like, just like you do you, and like you be you. Fine, whatever. But like, I'm doing the best that I can. You're doing. We're all doing our best. And there's someone I follow on Instagram named Kristen Rogers. Give her a shout out at Kristen Rogers, and she's a photographer. She's gorgeous. Instagram but she's a homeschooling mom of two. And she had this whole post about, she just called bullshit on I'm doing the best that I can. And she was like, listen, I don't think most of us are actually doing the best that we can as moms. She's like, I'm just gonna say it. She's like, and, and there was no judgment. This is in love. She's full of love and grace. And I read it and was very convicted and thought the same thing. Like some days i Fully acknowledge, I'm not doing the best I can as a mom. That's okay. Mm-hmm. There's no, I don't, I don't want to condemn myself. There's no mm-hmm. condemnation, but I also have to acknowledge, like, it's, it's okay to want to do better. Yeah, it's a good thing to want to improve as a mom and to make better choices for my kids and for myself to become a better mom. Like, go to sleep, Nicole, when you're supposed to go to sleep. So you can feel good in the morning when you teach your people or make sure that I eat well or exercise so that I have energy to, you know, deal with sibling rivalry all day long, whatever it is. So anyway, that's a thought that came to my mind. And I think I have nothing but admiration. I say this and I fully mean this. I have nothing but admiration for every mom and mothering woman that exists. It is the hardest job. It really is. And however you're doing it is the way you're supposed to be doing it, but also, you know, we can always do better in certain areas mm-hmm. and I fully admit that for myself. But we see you. That's really Yeah, I love that. And you know, and going back to fear, there's
1: a couple of things I want to share you whether it was Mahatma Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr. or in- the Bible, the opposite of love is not hate or even indifference. And hate has very similar energy to love. Um, indifference, they say, is because if you no longer are in love with somebody, you're not going to care about them. But indifference is just so, it's such a passive and kind of cruel emotion. But if, I think if you look at the sources I just mentioned, the opposite of love is fear, mm-hmm. And then Paulo Freire, who is an educational theorist, he wrote the Pedagogy of the Oppressed. It's so good. He's Brazilian, was Brazilian. He said that the opposite of love um, is not just the is the fear of love, but more so the fear to love. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Ooh, yeah. and that was and I, and I've used that in some of my my trainings and just understanding why it is that we can other others or we other ourselves mm-hmm. and we, we put we take ourselves out of whatever circle and so whether you are in the mom circle like biologically or however way or you know, legally you've become a mom um how are we going to overcome our fear to love? Mm-hmm. Whether it's our own baggage that we might be projecting mm-hmm. or our own insecurities or whatever the case might be, how can we move beyond that to just do better yeah. with our kids and with ourselves? Mm-hmm. And then for those of us who are mothering who have not become mothers or or, or men who are listening, who y- some of you might mother, you know, how can you move past the constructs of what society? says you might have to be or you ought to be right. and embrace who you are mm-hmm. and and in who you all, already are yeah. who you already are and mm-hmm. and and that's that's good and and to do better in those spaces do you need to connect more mm-hmm. are you isolating yourself because you feel like others are going to reject you mm-hmm. well i would maybe uh, encourage you to to move forward in those spaces and to to be the person you actually want to be which is dare I say, a better person than the current version. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I would like to be a better version. Me too. And I'll probably have to go to therapy for that again. I've gone to therapy probably 25 of my 42 years. But um, I'm, I'm ready to get on back on board. Yeah,
0: it's good. That was beautiful. I loved that. Thank you. Okay, so someday we'll talk about moms more. There's yes. no question. And we didn't even really probably scratch the surface of what there is to say about motherhood, but we love the moms around us and we do know and accept mothering as a gift and the gift that it is. And really think, I think um, I'm going to be thinking about what Renee shared, just how can we actually embrace more of who we already are in those areas and move away from fear and and all that that means. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Yes. And move forward in the not only, but also.
1: oh we don't have to stop there he, I, no, I, I don't know what to say we can just we can make fun of that just I say know. bye. we're gonna take that on but we're taking that out Evan's gonna edit that out okay bye Evan's gonna edit that out I don't know we can't yeah we might not have that same if equipment. you had said it normal but you didn't what say did it you say?
0: normal <gasps> and you did your like scholarly voice I know you were like and the blah blah blah, blah. yeah that was because I was joking